Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 158 of the Anime World Order podcast. We are back again. My name is Gerald Rathkolb, and with me, as always... This is Daryl Surratt. And this is Clarissa. We are the Anime World Order podcast. We've been around way, way, way too long. We talk about anime, manga, and that's about it. We have got a whole bunch of email to get through. Let's hit up one of these. They didn't leave their real name, but I do like the name that they did leave. This is by Kitten Huffer. They, Inhale uh, a kitten were... and get high on <laughs> inhalant fumes of cat. Sort of this train spotting like cancerous scenario. I don't... Yeah. So they say, hi, AWO. I finally caught up after about a year of listening, starting all the way from episode one. I surprisingly don't have a lot to say from someone who listened to 10 years of podcasting in the span of one year, except that I enjoy your podcast, especially the way you can contextualize a show in its time period or compare it to descendants and ancestors or talk about interesting things about the production. We're ready to do that today. We will, yes. What immediately comes to mind are the Food Wars, Angel's Egg, and Do You Remember Love reviews, which were especially insightful. It's a shame that... All my reviews, perfect. I love it already. <laughs> it's, a shame. it's a shame that episodes come out so infrequently now that I'm caught up, but I guess it can't be helped. Speaking personally, I would like it if you guys talked more about recent shows, even if it's just in passing and not full reviews. I know that goes against the founding principles of the podcast, but I feel it hasn't necessarily been a hard and fast rule. I guess what I'm saying is I think it'd be nicer to hear offhand opinions of shows, which is why I liked your 10-year anniversary episode. It was nice hearing you guys fire off a bunch of shows you liked but never really mentioned on the show. Even hearing about popular shows like Steinsgate, Madoka, Konosuba, ReZero, and Your Name would be interesting to me because when you don't mention them, I can't tell if you're not doing it because you think it's obvious that everyone watched or reviewed them, or if you intentionally avoided watching these shows because they didn't appeal to you. Usually the first hmm. one, but... We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. It never fails to amuse me when I try to guess if people will like something or not. For example, it didn't surprise me at all that Daryl hadn't watched any of the Monogatari series and has distaste for fate, or just the fans, question mark. It was pretty funny being blindsided by the fact that Gerald likes Love Live, and I think Clarissa mentioned that she plays the mobile game. Of course, it might be a conscious decision on your part simply due to the fact that there are less episodes now and want to stay focused on the shows, on one show you guys talk about for that month. I don't month. actually have very much interaction with Fate fans. I know a few people who are crazy into it, so it's mostly just the writing and the show itself seems like it's just whatever level that is disproportionate to the degree to which people lose their shit over Fate. Yeah, Fate is huge now, and I guess there's another TV series coming out. Oh, well, it's a movie, I think, that just came out that people are, like, is it a blown movie? away okay. by. Yeah, I think that's what Heavens Feel, probably. Oh, okay. Kitten Huffer continues. Also, something I've always appreciated in your podcast is that you stick to anime and you keep 
other subjects to an absolute minimum. I just can't get into the catch-all geek podcast because I don't give a shit about video games or superhero crap, or sometimes they might ramble endlessly on about something and have absolutely no expertise on. We also have absolutely no expertise on anime either, <laughs> if you read various message boards and postings. That's, that's pretty much why our podcast has kind of flatlined in terms of gaining viewers, listeners. The Catch-All Geek podcast is kind of popular now because everyone's got to be into everything. Everything with an asterisk on it because that asterisk is like this very specific list of things (laughs) that counts as everything geek. Yeah. Anyway, part of the reason I'm emailing is because I was wondering if you still happen to have the super old pictures depicting the truth. The ones on the old posts aren't up anymore. I never had the (laughs) misfortune of viewing them as a backlog listener. All of those links should be there. They're broken. I think that might have happened way back many years ago because we originally started the site hosted on Blogspot, of all things. And mm-hmm. Then we moved over to WordPress, and then we moved over the hosting again. Uh, so if a link is broken for a given set of posts, I can take a look at it. It seems like a battle every three or four years to keep the site up. Not necessarily financially, but just in terms of like, whatever platform we're on yeah i actually thought all those link images worked so if they don't i'll have to check it she continues or he continues also i looked on your site and maybe i'm just dumb but it's actually kind of hard to navigate to specific episodes by number if i don't remember what shows you guys talked about in that episode yeah we've got a review index up and that uh, helps a lot with finding so there are two ways to do this referring to specific episodes by number is not what the review index does that gets you to specific episodes by title of the thing talked about but if you specifically want to see the episodes numerically ordered, the best way to do it would be to click on the various feed links. Let's say if you were to go to the right sidebar and then click on either the feed burner link or whatever, and that will just give you the RSS feed entries of everything by number. Because if you were to go up by blog post, the front page of the blog only lists about two recent episodes at a time. If you click at the feed, you get every episode in one page. Right. And a question mostly for Clarissa. Do you have any opinion on what seems to be an influx of what people call Yuri Bait anime? Like Love Live, mm. EBK, Euphonium, New EBK, Game. EBK, Euphonium, not Sound Euphonium, right? Yeah. And I'm definitely <laughs> watching on pirate sites if they're calling it EBK, Euphonium. And Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Or am I just imagining that more of these shows are both being made and getting popular? Incidentally, Those last three were all in the anime marathon on Twitch a month or so ago. Finally, I'd like to take a chance to list all of the shows you've convinced me to watch that you've stated to you guys knowing that all of your words aren't falling upon deaf ears. And they list a bunch of stuff, including things like Wicked City, Utena, Angel's Egg, Gouda Gouda Fairies. So thank you very much for sending us that. We like to see what you guys uh, end up watching from uh, what we talk about. And of course, there are many more I haven't gotten to yet. I certainly favored some of those shows much more than others, but it's really because you guys are so good. Thank you so much, Kitten Huffer. Well, thank you. Yeah, I. it's an interesting question about the Yuri Bait shows, because to a certain extent, it does seem like there's more of them coming out. I think part of that is that Yuri is somewhat getting a little bit more popular. I was reading, there was an interview with, I think it was one of the editors, maybe, for some of the manga that's coming out, that was coming out. Now, those were actually Yuri titles. I think that might be getting a little bit more popular. I mean, there's certainly not a completely new invention. Any series that has a lot of female characters, 
especially there's a lot of shoujo series where there's like female characters that are really close to one another. And so they're not like overtly discussed as sexual. And so, yeah, I think that would kind of qualify. Some of it, I think, is just a side effect of, like I said, the big female cast, like stuff like Love Live and Idol Master. I think to a certain extent, when you have that many female characters and a limited number of male characters that are involved, it's kind of easy. Hey, there was that one guy in Love Live who we saw the back head of. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, men practically don't exist, which I think is actually kind of cool. So I guess to a certain extent, it does seem like it's becoming a little bit more prevalent. I don't know if I would count Dragon Maid. I feel like I that call one that is... Yuri bait. Yeah, That's... like, yeah. I... I definitely feel overt. like you know you got your final illustration where they're in like bridal dresses and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. what I've noticed is when people talk about bait versus like the real deal, it's just a question of is it implicit or is it more explicit? Right. And I've seemed to notice that they do still occasionally make shows that are more like explicit. This is girl romance stuff right and like you know oh episode one the girls kiss and you know say they love each other versus the things that seem to be more popular sort of like a side effect of going full moe which just have a bunch of girls without a guy of prominence in the show that mm -hmm. people can sort of extrapolate friendships and what have you to get to that and those seem to be more actively fandom involved it seems than the things that are more like overt right well i think that's part of the side of kind of logic behind because this is a conversation that goes on a lot in terms of like for like slash fans and yaoi and stuff is like the mm. kind of fujoshi bait versus like actually having queer characters and so there's a certain amount of resentment, I think, towards shows like, say, Supernatural, where they definitely take advantage of the fact that they have this, like, large viewership that is interested in this relationship, but they'll never go so far as to actually have characters be gay or bisexual or anything. And I think part of the logic behind that is supposedly that it might be alienating to a wider audience if they actually made those relationships overtly sexual. So they want to have their cake and eat it too by not including anything gay to make sure they don't alienate anyone, but then also like putting in just enough fan service or whatever that they'll get the fans who are into it. So I expect that's probably a similar thing as to why those bait shows are aligned with those more popular things because they're going for that mass audience. And so I figure they probably assume, well, if we leave it implicit, then we'll reach a wider audience than if we actually made it overtly gay. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how much that logic continues to hold up in the coming years since, I mean, as Yuri on Ice was airing, there was huge, like, I'm not going to say huge, but highly vocal contingents of people online who are certain and like dead set like that there's no gay content in this cartoon whatsoever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a gay romance cartoon, by the way. Yeah, those people are amazing. I don't... <laughs> like and, and so is is the concern like, oh, we're going to alienate all these people who are into it for this non-angle of it. Mm -hmm. And then as the show ends, it's like, okay, come on. There's no maybe ifs on this. But I'm sure there's probably still people being like, no, no, you're reading too much into this 
nationally right. televised wedding proposal. But it's like, like me saying, like, like Pacific Rim has no robots in it. There are no robots right. in Pacific Old Rim. Adam Sandler like, audio sketch where it's like, you know, they're trying to discern if it's gay porn and they're listening to things it's like, we are definitely fucking each other right now. It's like, no, no, this is just Bond, you know, like... <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one. I, maybe I made it up, but like the point is, is that over time, people seem to be getting more yeah. welcoming of this sort of stuff. And as long as you aren't a huge enough critical mass of fan base where the 1% of psychos ends up being like 50,000 people online clamoring for the heads of the show writers because, you know, their Voltron ship isn't canon. Oh my then God. I yeah. think this sort of stuff will become more popular and be getting made. But at the same time in Japan, I think they are still hesitant. Like I think even right. with this massive success of Yuri and Ice and stuff like that, they're like, do we really want to commit to that? Sayo Yamamoto had to fight really hard to get Yuri on Ice made. Like right. they didn't want to do it. And despite the name Yuri on Ice, it is not a Yuri bait anime like what's being no. asked about, <laughs> but it is... A similar it's, idea. Yuri isn't a character's name, not Yuri as in lesbians. Right, we were, we were all fooled uh, into watching the show. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like in terms of like the bait sort of aspect of it, if people in Love Live had canonical romance, I think that would actually alienate a right. decent amount of people. Well, yeah, I think the idol thing is a big part of that because like they can't really have relationships because it's right. idols. They have to, yeah, that's the idol culture where it's like you gotta be this pure shining star yeah yeah i mean that's to the audience like i think one of the reasons that love live has been so successful like as an anime is that there are no guys there like there's no manager saying what they have to do or anything it's just these girls right. just doing what they want to do they're not professionals it's like a school club right yeah and so there's nobody there behind them being like oh you, you gotta wear this you gotta work harder you gotta mm -hmm. flip that dress up and things yeah. like that and right so. cases, things like new game you know that is a, actually i i thought that's like a seinen thing because looks like it when you look at the artwork uh let me check it is in fact a seinen thing right but that is another one where the audience is adult guys and the premise is you've got these characters who are cute girls into video games then there is a portion of the fan base that would be like, oh, well, I would definitely like to have the girl who looks like whatever my interests are, who is into the same video games and stuff as I am. And therefore, if you just keep it as bait, then that keeps that sort of fan fantasy sort of aspect of it intact. Whereas right. if you have these characters get together and it's like, oh, no, my ship is sank. Yeah. I can't ever be with Tracer now because <laughs> yeah, she's I was gay. about to say, like, look at what happened with Tracer. Yeah. I am also hoping that it's getting better, at least. I mean, I'm more familiar with it on this side of things as opposed to, like, the Japanese side, because I don't hear those conversations that are happening in the Japanese fandom, if they are happening at all. I think they probably are, but it's more difficult for me to hear them. So, but I think even over here, it's still really difficult. You know, even when they try to do something, it's still usually, like, some side character that has minimal screen time even when there are people in the production like the actors or whoever that are trying to push for something like i'm thinking of flash because i've been watching a lot of that i'm going to be curious because one thing that japan really loves is british tv the most popular <laughs> shows in japan are like sherlock right and yeah, same sherlock thing with and china Spike. 
Yeah, it inspired a huge amount of stuff. So I'm curious, and I'm just throwing this out there, but I'm curious, the new Doctor Who is a bisexual woman. Right. And I wonder if a year or two after that comes out, if we're going to start to see some stuff circulating in the manga about more bisexual characters, work their way into anime, things yeah. like that, because Harry Potter was huge in Japan, and then now we've got all of these magical school Magical school shows. type shows, right. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, it'll be so interesting. Doctor Who is like worldwide phenomenon huge, mm -hmm. and so huge in Japan. So Nerds! <laughs> Nerds! I'm completely separated from Doctor Who fandom. I actually don't know anything about it other than that was like huge news was that the new Doctor is a bisexual female character. Right. I thought you were well, it's say never other than that they're nerds. Yeah, I mean the Doctor's <laughs> never been anything but a white dude. So um, mm -hmm. it was definitely one that people were kind of asking. Theoretically, it would be easy to have the character be a woman or be not white, and so I think a lot of people, even though they hoped, never thought it would actually happen. But yeah, we'll see. What a conversation to get into after reading an email about not appreciating other podcasts because they constantly go about other <laughs> geek catch-all topics that they have no expertise on. And now the AWO is discussing Doctor Who. Right. <laughs> well, I'm glad so they brought goat. up Ms. Kobayashi's Dragon Maid because that is a super sweet show. That is straight up Yuri. Not even yeah, like, I mean, subtextual or anything. That is like the thirstiest lesbian child I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very sweet. I, I like that show greatly. <laughs> yes. I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected. Pretty popular, too. It was yeah. very popular. Well received at the time it was on. It had beautiful animation. That was by... Um, Kyoto oh, Animation. Kyoto. Yeah. Kyoto. Kyoto that's yeah. it. Like, so the animation looked really nice. And, and you're right. Like Some of the, the artwork from it was just straight up them married. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm curious, in a couple of years from now, after Doctor Who is maybe circulated through all of Japan, if we might see some things like that. I don't know if we've seen too much Sherlock stuff circulate into anime yet, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's been too much of an upswing in detective stuff. I mean, they have had Detective Conan for like two decades now. Oh, sure. I mean, there's always been so, that stuff around. So maybe there's just not a call for any more since Detective Conan is already like one of the biggest properties in anime there. <laughs> and yeah. it's already inspired by Sherlock Holmes to a degree. So Right, right. We got that covered yeah. already. Well, they also have like the actual Sherlock manga. Yes, which they just released here. I have not checked that out. It's almost like the animanga kind of stuff that they would do where they would take like screenshots of the cartoon and just put like the text of it. Like it's pretty much following the script of like the actual like, BBC Sherlock pretty much go through it mm. that way. So it's an interesting thing that they put out. It's kind of as a curiosity, but at least, you know, they put it out. I'm not sure if they're a little late to the party on putting it out, but there you have it. Yeah. And it's interesting how sometimes those things pop up because I guess... We have seen like an upswing in superhero stuff, which I mean, they've been making movies and stuff that I'm sure have gone over to Japan for ages. But maybe with the recent onslaught of like the Marvel things and whatnot is why we've started to see a little bit more of that. Because, you know, we've got My Hero Academia and One Punch Man. Yeah, those are not typically Japanese style things like Japanese superheroes. They aren't like that. Usually. Right. That's what I mean. It's like yeah. more like American comic book influenced and I know, like, Horikoshi, the guy that does My Hero Academia, actually is into comic books as opposed to just the movies. Right. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I, I wonder... It's fascinating how you can be into comic books and not just the movies and then write My Hero Academia, which is, in a lot of ways, better than a lot of these comics that oh, sure. we're getting now in, in many ways. <laughs> That's a topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, My Hero Academia is great. And yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that, hey, what we got out of the Marvel movies was One Punch Man. I'm super happy as well, because... <laughs> 
I love One Punch Man. <laughs> right. That one, I guess, is a little tricky because I don't remember when the webcomic started. But yeah, I'm not I'm not too familiar with it. All I know is, thank goodness we got that show, and that show has gotten some of the best penetration in like non-anime people that I've seen since like Attack on Titan. Yeah. It is a bit of a concern that the second season that's being made is not being made by the same people. It's sort of a downside of like, yes, yeah. right, right move yeah. to, to green light it as soon as possible because the last thing we needed was like a three, four year gap. But yeah. it will be a challenge indeed if this new staff of people can actually meet the quality level expectation that everyone is coming to expect given right. the first season of One Punch Man. Right. That show was so well animated. And just looked gorgeous. I think that was partially well, yeah, just what the helped. amount of talent that they lined up for. Right. It. I'm not sure how, how much of that talent can be recruited to work on this show or not. Like, I don't know the Sakaga situation of that because I'm not into that scene. Yeah, I mean, I know that most of them work as freelancers, so I guess it just depends on how many other projects they're already working on. I think Kiwani is one of the only studios that actually just employs their animators full time. Yeah, more right. or less. Well, as we learned, by the way, this has happened since we last recorded. There was a short that came out that was done for Blade Runner, the new movie, an anime short, mm. only about 15 minutes long. And you talk about Sakuga. There were some really significant names working on that, and it really showed. The animation in that was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. you can tell, like, the co-productions, you haven't had one as good as that since, like, Animatrix nearly 15, or more than that, many years right. ago. And it's like... the difference between when the Japanese give a shit about the thing they're doing the co-production on and when they're just being paid the cash money by Warner Brothers to please or whomever to please make something about this is night and day because just imagine if the Japanese gave a shit about Mass Effect and Dragon Age and things of that nature that we'd done co-productions on in the past where they chose to handle it by just putting people with no experience whatsoever on this American thing that they don't care about. Right. Are you telling me that nobody cared about Neo Yokio in Japan? Well, I think that's another story unto itself. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's not really an existing thing already. No, Um, it doesn't, no. But when you look at, like, say, we were talking about Marvel, the Marvel anime projects, those... All of them were just subpar. Well, they could have benefited from having people with more experience in charge right. of it. Because the best episodes of those by far were like, oh, well, Yoshiaki Kawajiri is going to storyboard this one. And it's like a night and day quality difference in like just that episode. Yeah, which is weird because I would have thought that the Marvel stuff would have been something that they would be more excited about and that would get more of that like attention, but I guess not. My understanding is the Marvel movies don't do well in Japan. Hmm. They, they do okay, I think. I mean, I just remember even at the height of like saying this isn't a Marvel movie, but I remember like when The Dark Knight came out, we talked about it on this podcast. There wasn't really a huge reception to that in Japan. I know when it came out over there, like more people saw like the mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor than Dark Knight, <laughs> which was like, okay, hmm. ridiculous. But in the case of Blade Runner, everybody was really into Blade Runner because sure. it's such an influential thing. And so when you look at the staff, it's like Shinichiro Watanabe and Mahiro yeah. Maeda and, you know, going down the Hiroyuki line. Okiyuda, like yeah, huge Shuko Murase, like mm-hmm. big deal people who really was like, we've got to nail this. And I thought they did a great job on it. And I also thought the movie was excellent, by the way. But that's what I would like to see when they do in co-productions, that level of 
interest. But the last time that happened was like, well, they were really into the Matrix. And so they all got like, you know, those people together and they made, you know, some pretty impressive stuff for the Animatrix, which a lot of people hold up as like, this is still great, even if the rest of the Matrix, maybe not so much. (laughs) If only uh, we could get the Jupiter Ascending anime that we just anime, because that's what, you know, the Wachowskis, they have like this ridiculous aesthetic that they do and all these things. And Jupiter Ascending is, you know, this hugely lavish and expensive 80s shoujo spirit, you know, (laughs) sci-fi that uh, I adore and few other people outside this podcast do people but anyway, are thanks, wrong wrong people very much so but uh, yeah th- yeah the reviews of that that call it like the worst movie of the year all wrong yeah. every one of them absolutely <laughs> a sin so yeah thanks for the email kitten offer and uh for sending an email that we read on the show we will give you a one-year god anime membership or writestuff.com, which is typically our sponsor of this show at this point. And you can use that to get an additional 10% discount off of even their existing low prices, especially for their weekly sales. Look for your email inbox uh, soon once this episode comes out for that. So does anybody else have anything to bring up before we review the thing we're going to talk about, which I haven't even mentioned. I should, uh, <laughs> That's okay. You, yeah, can, so, you can fix yeah, it in post say. or you can just do it now. I'll just say now, we're reviewing the spooky movie for October, Your Name, which is scary. No, it's um, not at all scary. It's completely inappropriate for Well, it does sort of involve dead people. Right. Sort of. Maybe, kind (laughs) of. But, uh, yes, if you would like to see all of our previous episodes, you can go to our website at www.animeworldorder.com. And if you, too, would like to send us an email, please do so at our email address, which is animeworldorder at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at animeworldorder, which pretty much is an automated account that will notify you when new episodes come out. And you can also follow us there. We're generally posting quite a bit, but just not on the AWO account. In any case, this episode of the Anime World Order podcast is brought to you, as we said, by rightstuffanime.com, which is the best place to order anime Blu-rays and DVDs. Every week, Right Stuff has different sales based on publisher, and they also have, every single day, 25% off any pre-orders that you place over on the site. And so, as we are about to review your name, I will point out that the pre-order price for the Blu-ray DVD combo pack of your name on Right Stuff is $25.54. However, if you have the Got Anime membership, which we are giving Kitten Huffer a free one-year membership to, the pre-order price for your name becomes $22.99. That is a better price than what Amazon offers, which is $24.59. So make sure to put in your pre-orders for anime over on Right Stuff whenever you get a chance. Your name also has a limited edition, comes with a soundtrack, comes with a hardcover art book, some good stuff like that. Amazon wants $61.49. The price on Right Stuff is $55.84. Or the non-member price, $62.04. That's still cheaper for me to buy on Right Stuff because Amazon charges tax. The next major Blu-ray purchase I'll definitely be getting from them, which I will also watch someday, will be the Revolutionary Girl Utena 20th Anniversary Ultra Edition set. That's $140. And they are, in fact, the place that is releasing it because nozomi entertainment is the anime releasing wing of right stuff so buy straight from the source you'll get the best price anyway so let us know what you think they haven't done me wrong yet
comes to the world of anime, Makoto Shinkai is unique. In fact, to make a horrible grammatical error, I would even go as far as to say that he is uniquely unique, even though that he's been around for about as long as this, longer than this podcast has. I checked our list, and as far as I can tell, we've never reviewed any of his films in depth. We have almost certainly talked about the guy, but we've never reviewed his stuff in depth, and there's a reason for that. Before I get to the meat of this review, and by the way, this is going to be one of those reviews where it's going to be like very little about the actual movie. We'll see how this yeah, goes. Yeah, I don't think people will mind considering how well known it is and how well received it is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about the man himself, Makoto Shinkai. He's unusual in almost every way when it comes to the anime industry. For one, he's very young. He's only 44 years old. For an anime director, that's like a newborn. He originally came from the video game industry. He originally worked for Falcom, cinematics, graphics, and web elements. So he probably worked on like some of the E-series and Brandish series and such. I haven't found like a full like comprehensive list of his credits in video games, and that is unusual. Because for a long time, the video game industry has been sort of culling talent from the anime industry, especially a lot of design talent. Yeah, especially a lot of mecha design talent uh, in particular. Mm -hmm. Yes, a lot of really great, talented people have been working in video games because the money is there. In 1999, Makoto Shinkai came out with a short called She and Her Cat. It was a five-minute short, and this won some critical acclaim in kind of the independent animation circles. It was a very well-received work. You can watch this online, and it looks how you would expect something that was created by one person to look. It is beautifully drawn. There's virtually no animation in it. Most of it is just still images that are panned. Everything is monochrome, and then there's some narration. But it got a lot of notice within the anime industry, and it sort of put him on the map as like someone to watch. It was after this that uh, Shinkai got an idea for something a lot more ambitious. So he quit his job and he got some funding from a service called Manga Zoo. And so for seven months, using nothing but commercially available software, stuff like Lightwave, stuff like Photoshop, some animation software, this is stuff that everybody can buy. He worked on and released a direct-to-video work called Voices of a Distant Star. Which this is the thing that I first heard about him for before right. She and Her yes. Cat. I think a lot of people heard about this and then went back to see She and Her Cat afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let me be clear. Makoto Shinkai was not the first person to create an anime entirely by himself. Excuse me, Jim. How dare you say that he usually should die by himself? You know, there's all these <laughs> bullshit people who, like, are very angry when people say that he did it by himself. But fuck him. He did it by himself. I know the full yeah. story. I'm still going to say he did it by himself. <laughs> Fight me, bro. About 10 years prior to this, Midori Shoujo Tsubaki was released. We actually reviewed that. That was 
almost entirely animated by Hiroshi. No, it was entirely animated by Hiroshi Harada. And we reviewed that on the show. However, there was, you know, very little animation in that. And a lot of it was actually traced from the manga. That is not to denigrate that work. I mean, it was a 52 minute work. With that exception, generally anime that is done by a single person is A, very short, and B, looks like it was made by one person. Voices of a Distant Star was the first modern anime that we'd seen that looked like a full studio had worked on this. In fact, there was anime coming out at the time that had full studios working on it that didn't look anywhere near as good as Voices of a Distant Star did. The short was heavily inspired by Gunbuster and would feature a theme that he would end up using in a lot of his subsequent work, which is young people separated by space and time. And clouds. Also clouds. And clouds. Loves those <laughs> clouds. Even today, with all the technology that we have, works done by a single person are incredibly rare. There is a work that came out in 2009 called Senkorol. I've not seen this. It's a 30-minute work done entirely by a manga author called Atsuya Uki. There was also another one which, Daryl, you've shown called Fumiko's Confession, which is excellent. That was entirely done by one person, but it's also two and a half minutes long. Right. Most of the things that I think of that are like the work of one person are short works. A lot of times they go viral on YouTube, someplace like that. Like you make it, you put it up there. People are like, whoa, check out this. And, you know, that's sort of where this sort of auteur driven kind of things are. You usually don't see something that is a little more long form. But anyway, Voice of the Distant Star, it did well, caught on. He got some chances yeah. to go back and, you know, do some retouches, et cetera. And he got, a, got himself a crew. Well, I mean, that's, that's what shows is that Makoto Shinkai is a hugely driven guy. It's easier to do it now than it was then. And still, this is an incredible rarity. And after that, he, he got a name for himself. Voice of a, Distant, of a Distant Star did very, very well, sold out. And he followed that up with The Place Promised in Our Early Days, which was a full-scale production, and he had a lot more going for it, and it was just kind of, eh? I didn't really feel it was anything special. And then he followed that up with five centimeters per second. Which honestly bleeds together for me. <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time telling the two of them apart. I know one of them has a lot more ice skating than another. They both look beautiful. It kind of felt like, well, he's kind of just repeating his themes again and again. And then he came out with Children Who Chase Lost Voices from Deep Below, which was then shortened to Children Who Chase Lost Voices, which he felt like a Miyazaki movie with just a bit of graphic violence. And I remember watching it and feeling kind of nothing for that. Yeah, you actually, we saw, I think, like Shinkai. A screening of yeah, it. we saw a screening when he was at Otakon. We interviewed Shinkai about it, group interview sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, again, movie's okay. It's not like it's bad. It's more just like it doesn't feel like it was a thing that Makoto Shinkai did other than like to prove to himself or us that he was capable of not just doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. I have not seen The Garden of Words, which apparently is something he came out with a year or two ago. Uh, yeah, I've, I've only seen, seen like little bits and pieces and it looks amazing. Yeah. I do yeah. want to watch it. At and some that point. is another one like right. that I will say about these Makoto Shinkai things is that even though he's got himself a crew now, he is still very much like written by, directed by. I did the editing. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. if there's like a tie in comic, like do like a lot of stuff for that too. Like that was with five centimeters per second. That was, I think, a similar thing, Garner Words, and also here again. He's a tremendously talented guy. Right. Clearly. And it's like, very unbelievably much like talented. His movies, those films get bigger nowadays. It's sometimes a misnomer to say like it's a movie by like a this or the auteur theory sort of falls apart 
But in the case of Makoto Shinkai, it's very much his movie in a lot of ways. They all look like it. Like his, and then, he's of course, someone's going to jump in his comments like, but what about the people who draw and is his animation director inside? It's like, okay, fine. That's why I said it's close. It's not 100% Makoto Shinkai. It's not like Hayao Miyazaki is like, you're going to do it exactly this way. You're fired level with a gun to their head of each animator right like <laughs> you know that which is the miyazaki method but so much of these things when you say it's a shinkai movie it is very much so even though yes he does have some collaborators who maybe escape from miyazaki's pistol whippings to work for him <laughs> i felt like he worked better when he worked in shorter form i felt like his best work really was Voices of a Distant Star. It was short, it was succinct, and it was just beautifully done. It felt very personal. Right. It had a lot of heart to it. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. even if there were parts that looked a little rough, you cut him some slack because you know how it came about. He even did the voice acting for it. Yeah, well, like, the, the initial track, small. right. The initial track. They got professional voice actors for another track, but you can buy the DVD, and one of those tracks is Makoto Shinkai and his then-girlfriend. Like, that is how personal and small a story that was. And I felt like that was the one that had the greatest impact. When I heard he was coming out with another movie, I was like, oh boy, what Here is this? Here we go again, right? of, Yeah, know. it's like, uh, it's going to be another one that, you know, looks really nice and it's not going to do anything for me. Well, I can confidently say Shinkai has figured out how to make a movie. I think this is the big one. It only took him four movies to figure this out. <laughs> but this is far and away his best work. It's an interesting pick for AWO to talk about because your yes. name, as we speak, as we record this right now, is currently listed as the number one highest rated thing on Anime News Network. It is hugely yeah. beloved. It has shattered all kinds of box office records, critically acclaimed, commercially successful and viable. The Blu-ray is about to come out from Funimation probably in a couple of weeks, I think. As we record this, it's about four or three weeks away, four weeks away, something right. like so that. Right, so that basically yeah. means for a long time, everybody like pirated the fuck out of this movie. Then it came out in the theaters in some sort of Fathom events, kind of in select engagement. And so a lot of people, I think, either went and saw it that way as well, because it sort of was very good to see in a theater. But yeah, I mean, this is a movie where we're not talking about some unheard no, thing. Like, this is a thing where it's like everybody knows this movie and it's, it's interesting. Like, everyone's talked about this movie to, to quite a bit of extent. And so here now, are we late to the party or are we getting in on the ground floor? Who knows? And your name, it's become a phenomenon in Japan. Your name, while this is not adjusted for inflation, this has overtaken Spirited Away as the highest grossing anime movie of all time. And this is the thing that blew me away. As we record this, your name is the 19th highest grossing movie of the year worldwide. That means it has grossed more than Kingsman, it has grossed more than Lego Batman, it has grossed more than the Alien movie. I mean, how often does an anime movie do that? That is incredibly rare. It grossed twice as much money as the new Star Wars movie did when it came out in Japan. Like, that shows you, and this is important. It's important because usually the big anime movies are Ghibli movies. And now, fuck what Miyazaki says, he makes anime. Fuck all of what he says, like, no, I don't make anime. No, he makes anime. But his movies look different. They don't look like anything that's on television. This movie looks like anime. 
has even like opening credits sort of sequence to it, like an anime TV show would. Yes. It is unmistakably like this Japanese cartoon you guys are watching. No ifs, ands, or buts about. It's not Miyazaki trying to set things in Europe. This looks like a late It's Japan. It's Japan. It's a Japanese cartoon set in undeniably Japan. Right. And that was a huge thing. So, I mean, it's um, unbelievable that so many people went to see something that they couldn't just shake off as, well, it's the Ghibli movie. The Ghibli movie is okay. The Ghibli is off in its corner doing its thing. No, this is all. There's no G-Kids prestige. (laughs) Like you send your kid to the rich New York Academy with Matt Damon's kid or whatever. And so you got to give your kids some culture. And so, ah, the works of Hayao Miyazaki, you know, we'll do it. And no, no, this one's basically Japanese cartoon from Funimation and whatever. And I, I did it actually premiere at ax it did or premiere did it, at ax yeah a month or two okay. before it premiered anywhere else so okay because I, I i do know people have been talking about this movie for like year and a half non-stop and again like almost 100 percent universal like strong praise for it yeah and whenever that happens i begin to wonder but like, can it live up to the hype yeah. right so let me talk just a little bit about it i'm going to be a little bit brief about actually talking about this movie in this review of this movie Mimi leaders freaky friday yeah there we, we got it <laughs> but the basis of the movie doesn't belie the earlier themes of makoto shinkai this is definitely a story about two young people who were separated the story is about mitsuha a young girl who lives in a very rural and mountainous area of japan and she's very bored and complains a lot that there's just nothing to do in this town she is kind of the poster child of why Japan is having such a crisis with keeping its small towns alive. Very much so, like, the Japanese government is continually, like, subsidizing all these works to be like, please go live in the countryside so th- these whole areas of our culture don't just die away. Right. It's, but- very, it's very sad. And it's like a chicken-egg thing. Like, do these young people, like, want to stay in a city in a place that doesn't even have, like, a bookstore? Or in the movie, she complains that there's not even, like, a cafe. There's no place for even kids to just sit down and have, like, a coffee. And her dream is to just go to tokyo and then she finds herself suddenly in tokyo in the body of a high school boy named taki and their only means of communication with each other is basically leaving notes on each other's phones and writing on themselves and taki and mitsuha basically continue this sort of back and forth relationship until suddenly one day they stop swapping bodies and taki loses all communication with mitsuha i feel this is a movie that the less you know about it the better the experience will be. I knew very little about this. It was a Makoto Shinkai, and I saw a poster, so I immediately had some yeah, assumptions. You, Makoto Shinkai, there's a poster, there's a bunch of clouds on the poster, there's a, guy, <laughs> there's a girl. Yeah. Okay, it's Makoto Shinkai movie, guys. <laughs> All right, we got it. Right. If you haven't seen this movie, you should not know anything more about it than what I just told you. Yeah, I actually didn't even know that much about the movie until I saw it the first time. It was interesting because all you knew was... Huge success. Everyone loves it. Breaking all these records. Mamoroshi is like, God damn you, Makoto Shinkai. You made this movie this good. And, and it doesn't you know, look like I, my I, stuff. It, uh, yeah, and Miyazaki is like, eh, I guess it's all right. And, you know, Tominio is probably sitting there being, I'll show you. Just you wait. Oh, Just I can't w- wait for his wait. response. I cannot oh, wait for Yoshi <laughs> Tomino. Gonna beat your name at its own schemes. I cannot wait. And on that note, we are getting through brain power. That yes, is coming. That is coming it, it soon. Is, very soon. Happen. This year. Sooner. No, I don't know about this year. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's this soon. year. This, let's it is hope soon. for let's a Christmas miracle this year. But um, so but let me make, you know, in any case, I when I saw the movie, I like I only knew like little 
things like mostly based on the poster, which I didn't like look at intently, but it's an iconic image and it sort of is being like disseminated everywhere. You know, the movies made it when there's the porno parody. Yes. And so that's, <laughs> oh you know, the, the JAV version of your name is your rope. And it's not like a proper parody name for porno. It's not just like up. It's not your name. No, we're giving it a different fuck oriented title. It's very funny. It's a on. it's a girl dressed up like the like the girl like, on the like cover. Exactly the same outfit, same <laughs> like backdrop and color scheme and all that. But she's just in shibari. She's her right, body's exactly. tied up. <laughs> the, the, the rope bondage yeah. form. But uh, let me make this super clear. With these sorts of things, I was one of the hardest cells on this movie. Makoto Shinkai, I'm not terribly into his stuff. Yeah, I assumed you terrib- would hate it. I'm not terribly into movies about sad teenagers, and I love yeah, this, this movie. Is not, we're not like the Dave Riley, Justin Savakis crowd yeah, over here in the AWO. No, I, but I loved, this movie's good. This movie is great. I loved this movie. It is satisfying in ways his previous movies weren't. He manages to write characters. I feel like that's a lot of it, is that he wrote characters that are funny, that are interesting, a lot of his previous characters were just like the sad teenager archetype. It didn't feel like there was more to it. Yeah, like the last like couple of minutes of the movie would typically, if that was the whole thing, like it would be in his previous things, it would just be that part. Yeah. Maybe minus the end or maybe with the end. But because of all the work that he did with those characters in the previous like 90 minutes of the movie, that feels special. It feels much better. And so I don't know if this is Shinkai turning a corner. And if he's figured out how to improve his movies, or if this is just things coming together in a special way, I guess we'll see with his next film that he's working on. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's one of those things where it's like now the super duper pressure is on because yeah. now that he's this, this has come out and is like skyrocketed in popularity as far as everything. And people are like, OK, great. The king is dead. Long live the new king. And now, you know, I'm sure Miyazaki is like coming out of retirement, making another <laughs> movie. Can't allow this to stand that someone else has, you know, made something that's good without copying me. It's like the Highlander, just an anime form. There can be Correct. only just, one. <laughs> there can only be one. Yeah. It's basically... Miyazaki rises you know, from the ground. Miyazaki just, <laughs> just systematically beheading all of the other yeah, directions. Just, just like a... a, a fist you know emerges from underneath the soil <laughs> clasping a pen and then you know the anime is a mistake <laughs> image meme is er- shows up but yeah i mean makoto shinkai as a result of this movie i feel that now there's going to be a huge amount of pressure on the next movie that he makes oh absolutely because this one kind of came i'm not going to say out of nowhere but for a lot of us we were like okay for 15 plus years we know who makoto shinkai is yeah and then this movie comes out and it's like all right holy shit and you know when you're talking about like a movie on the level of those big movies that you were just talking about now like i don't remember but like is it like with the amount of money that it made like one of the only non-Miyazaki anime to like get in that strata, if not the only anime? It's one of the few that is ever... Let me find the full list here. There we go. Because they, they did have like the full list, and it made, I think, double what Spirited Away made. And Spirited Away was the most before that. Uh, there are other anime non-Miyazaki movies, but they are things that we haven't gotten. They're things like Doraemon and some of the uh, Detective Conan movies have made a lot of money. But this one is just like... 
so much more. Uh, Makoto Shinkai has been, you know, he's been pl- downplaying it quite a bit. And I understand, like, that's enormous pressure. It's one of those things because it's like the pressure is so much on. And now you have to make something that surpasses your name. But your name is already pretty much, like I said, like the most critically acclaimed, the most financially successful anime movie of the decade, yeah, more or less. It's huge. Right? It's, it's mm-hmm. gigantic. I guess they want to make a live action one, which I'm like, Why? Well, I mean, I think it's one of those things where they always want to do the live action one. But in this case, it's they want to make like a Hollywood live action one that that came out. I'll believe it when it happens. I'm not going to talk much more about that other than everyone made all the obvious jokes when they heard J.J. Abrams wanted to do the produce the live action in your name. So all the jokes that you'd expect, you know, J.J. Abrams making something comes out from that. Mm -hmm. But it's a great movie. It's just one of those things where. Yeah, if I were Makoto Shinkai, I'd be like, guys, settle down. Please don't put me on a pedestal because I don't want to fall from that high. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the risk. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, again, like you said, like he directed it, he wrote it, he was the cinematographer for it, he was the editor for it. Like, this is his work. And I will say, you know, the main thing that also really sells the movie is, again, the visual side of it. As far as backgrounds, this was an incredible movie. Unbelievable. Like, I know, like, both from, because, again, you've got, like, some two distinct settings. One, the downtown Tokyo, and it's very much like this is contemporary, current Tokyo, more or less. That's what it looks like, you know, almost like how... It's a snapshot of that time, kind of like how when I would talk about Toei, who from 1987, it was like this ridiculous OAV from back in the day, but it was set in Japan in 1987. And so all like the fashion and all the stuff, it's like that was then that was what that time period was. This is that again, only for now, but it also has the countryside aspect of it and it's got like just incredible landscapes and stuff, not just clouds in the sky for one, you know, like. (laughs) You know, lots of rural landscape and stuff like that. So that is a dying art in Japan in and of itself. A lot of this movie is about that side of culture. But just from an anime perspective, we were talking about how Shinkai came from video games where there's a talent drain going on. Yeah. And I mean, background art is a thing that is a difficult thing to see at this level. And I think a lot of it is... Not just Shinkai, but also the other guy who works with him all the time. Well, not all the time. I th- and now I have to actually check who is this person I'm talking about. Oh, uh, oh. Here we go. Masashi Ando. Okay. That's the guy I'm talking about. The character designer. I like how everybody looks. Like, I yeah. really have, in terms of the looks of this movie, I have zero complaints. Everything is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. His strengths came through tremendously in this. Yeah, I almost wonder, like, if Shinkai actually needed to make all that other stuff to actually get all these ideas to gel. That's what I know, wonder a about. A lot of his themes. Well, I think that's how every that works this. for everybody, right? Is like you create well, stuff and I then mean, you eventually kind of like develop your own mm. thing, but and you develop people your skills. Keep trying the same thing over and over again until you finally get it. Like a lot of times, people like make something, then make something. A little different mm. such that if you go back to that as blatantly as Shinkai does, people will call you for it. In this case, I feel like he actually went back and said, oh, what worked, what didn't. And very few people are willing to say, here's what didn't work. Though I guess creators are particularly self-conscientious. We've been talking smack about Tamino for the past several months and we'll continue <laughs> to do so. Yep. But he's a guy who's always talking about this worked, this didn't work. You say all the right things and then you don't actually remedy 
I don't know if he says the right thing either, but he's I like... I think he, a lot of times he will point out like this didn't like, work. This, the thing that was wrong with this was this girl didn't wear a hat. Right. Something like that. But in the case <laughs> of Your Name, story is incredibly simple. The plot you can basically spoil in about two sentences, but it's the execution of right. it that makes it yeah, work so well. It's not really well. about yes. the narrative. It's about the characters. Though that being said, I know there's a lot of people who talk about, oh, spoilers don't matter or whatever. We did earlier say the less you know about this movie, the better. And I think if you knew, like, here's what's going to happen throughout this whole movie and then you go see it, I don't know if it would actually be as effective. But, you know, I have seen the movie a couple times at this point. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think the first time I saw it was the most impactful viewing. And the subsequent times I'm looking at, like, little things in the background to see, like, oh, did you notice this? Did you notice that? So I, w I would recommend, like, yeah, know as little as possible about what happens and, you know, what they find out and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's relevant to see the movie with that level of detail. I think if you just know it's, hey, it's Makoto Shinkai's new movie and everyone loves it, that's probably all you need to know. Yeah. And yet, here we are talking. Also, music was beautiful. Music was done by some, <laughs> a group called Rad Wimps, which I've never heard of before. But the music was beautiful and it worked perfectly with the movie. So I really hope... This is the turning point for him. And I would love to see works like this, works that don't yeah. look like Ghibli, that don't... For, for the next quarter right. century. Yeah. I guess now it's just the hope that the kind of expectation from this doesn't sort of squash his career, you know? Yeah. I mean, who knows? Do we know if this is just where things just came together for that one time and just created this one thing that worked? Or is this going to be where he now goes on and does become the next big thing? Because anime is starving for someone like that, starving for someone who's got an international appeal. Right. Yeah, so. they want, like, Mamoru Hosoda, and they want Bakoto Shinkai, and these are supposed to be, like, the people who are going to be your big anime directors for the next generation, so to speak, even though they're in their 40s. Yeah. Clarissa, you haven't said too much about this. What did you think? I thought it was great. I mean, I'm a pretty big fan of, like, the swapping bodies trope to begin with. Of course, like anything else, it can be done well or it can be done badly. But I feel like this one was done really well. I mean, obviously, as you said, it was gorgeous, especially, like, the backgrounds. I liked a lot of the little details, too, in terms of the animation and how it facilitated, like, becoming attached to the characters and showing us kind of who they were. Little things like their body language when mm -hmm. they were swapped and obviously things like when he was in her body of course like her hair was different because he doesn't know the way that she normally does her hair although i did notice one time at the beginning when they had swapped bodies and taki was in mitsuha's body and she she sat down like at the morning breakfast and she like put her hand behind her skirt and ran it under her legs that seems like something that a girl would learn to do not a guy would be hmm. like self-conscious enough to do I just noticed that, like, that would be something that if I just were put on a skirt for the first time, I would be flashing everybody all the time. Well, I think they had a, <laughs> a, a quick moment of criticizing, like, hey, this is basic stuff, man, when you sit this way. You know, yeah, yeah. Th there was a scene yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. it's just a little things, like, all of my complaints about this movie are little things, none of which make me dislike the movie, none of which should make the movie seem any worse, none of which break the movie for me. There was not enough kung fu. <laughs> there was too few gunplay incidents. <laughs> Could have used a car chase in addition to a skateboarding Vin Diesel. <laughs> 
wall riding off of a moving Okay, clearly bus. if they make the live action version of this, it needs we to be Vin Diesel. We can fix all these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swapping bodies with Helen Mirren. I want to see go. that. Yeah, there that's you go. a movie. Got it. So, but, Got it one. I mean, I hate criticism when I listen to people review or talk about movies. I hate criticism where they say, well, the story was a little bit too tidy or, you know, it, it's a little bit too wrapped up a bit too much. Like, I don't I hate that sort of vague criticism. If there's something wrong with it, I feel like it should be concrete. But no huge complaints about this. There are a few logical errors about the situation that I think things could be solved a little easier if they had done something that seems like they would have done this a lot sooner. But yeah, I mean, I give it a pass. But again, that does not break the movie for me. I give it a pass. I don't necessarily want to go into that. I love this movie. I am so glad that Makoto Shinkai got it right. This is something that you can show your family that is not a Ghibli movie. Think about that. Think about that you can now bring some anime home for the holidays and it is not a Ghibli movie. Here's hoping that it's uphill and that it's not like his peak and that from this point on, he's just going to keep trying to recapture that magic. I think we've already got a Kenji Kamiyama. And so you yeah. know, he's, he's, he, he hit a big twice. He did Standalone Complex and Moribito and then never again. Never again. And in fact, the other stuff he's been doing has not even been the same. It has just been worse, like significantly worse. Although I haven't seen Napping Princess. I didn't hear too much. I mean, yeah, G-Kids did release that one also. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's at the Moribito standalone complex level. And I'm pretty sure at this point he's thrown in the towel and he's like, I'm going to go back to Ghost in the Shell, whatever the next Ghost in the Shell thing is. I think that's uh, where he's going. But yeah, I mean, in the case of Kamiyama, I think it's just he shouldn't write the shit himself. No, absolutely. And he gets too ambitious. His best works, you know, Ghost in the Shell and Moribito, it's like that's somebody else. That's a pre-existing material. Yeah. That somebody else did, but you know, it's another topic. Case of Shinkai, I mean, he's pretty much been doing his own shit from day one. Yeah. And I give him enormous credit for that, even if I didn't like majority a lot of the things that he did. Yeah I, yeah. I think I thought a lot of the stuff he did was just eh, was just forgettable. It was okay. Right. It's like I said, like if you were grill me and say, like, what happened in five centimeters per second versus what happened in the place problems in our early days. I'd be like, I don't know. It's just, you know. Now you could say there were teenagers who were separated and you would yeah, be right. Or, you know, you would not be wrong. And then I guess uh, the previous one, the only thing I remember prior to your name, which you said you hadn't seen it, but that was basically his Quentin Tarantino foot fetish movie. That's all I remember about it. Oh, okay. I have not seen <laughs> you know, it. No. It's, a, it's like the guy and the lady who's older and, you know, their shoes. Some, some, something <laughs> like that, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. The, <laughs> these details are not strictly <laughs> relevant. Such a good plot summary. <laughs> I think that's basically what what goes down. Like someone who's seen the movie, they're gonna be like, "Yes, that that's exactly." I nailed it. I got it perfect. Now I need to see this this <laughs> Makoto Shinkai foot fetish movie. All, all yes, the, like... Makoto Shinkai office lady foot fetish with like the you know right. young boy and the older woman and you know all that kind I of. I think jazz. all of like the animated gifs and stuff I've seen with it with all like people either sketching stuff in a sketchbook or like rain. So that's oh. that's what I associate I'm with it. I'm pretty sure it's a Tarantino spirit movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been several years because uh, the movie came out like two years ago or know, something. F- no, three years ago, four years ago, thir- 2013 God, really? it came out. Wow. Yeah, that was Garden of Words. I just checked. Okay. <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> that was a, a beautiful summary of a movie I haven't seen. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think there's anything else to really say about it. If you haven't seen Your Name, absolutely go and see it. We haven't given away major points about the movie. Right. And if you uh, would like to purchase the movie, because I'm sure everybody has either pirated this thing to hell and back, and you may as well buy it and own this thing. Uh, Funimation is releasing the Blu-ray. If you go to our website, AnimeWorldOrder.com, and order it either off of uh, Amazon or Right Stuff, whichever link we put up that has the, the better price, get like, you know, 50 cents or whatever for each one of those that you do. So please, uh, you know, keep us going two quarters at a time. So that is Your Name by Makoto Shinkai. Yes, it's great. I expected to just be uh, okay, and I ended up loving it. That is the best that I can hope for. Do we have anything more to talk about? No, I mean, I think that covered everything. I mean, it is it is very, like, it's not a story with a really convoluted plot, because like we were saying, it's not really about no. that. So It keeps it simple. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it really is more about, like, the emotional experience, and it's hard to really convey that in words. You kind of have to just see it. All we can say is that it does it well. Does yes. It very, very well. Yeah, it's one of those things where when you look at like top rated anime of all time and people like have your name as like number one. I mean, I'm not really the type of person to do like the rankings and stuff, but it's also not like a thing where I look at it and I'm like, that's bullshit. Get out of here. It's like, you know, I'd be like, I accept if you say that. Yeah. So this definitely earns its cred. That is episode 158 of the Anime World Order podcast. This was an unusual episode for us. Normally, we don't talk about, like, the big thing, the thing that everybody or a lot of people have seen. That's not usual for us. So, But the email insisted. Yeah. And so here we are. So next episode, we're going to be talking about the next Hollywood movie coming. We're going to be talking about it. In theaters right now. No, we're not. So <laughs> Clearly, no, the live-action Ghost in the right Shell now. movie is... Ghost in the Shell, yes. <laughs> you don't actually like that movie. I mean, I'll, I'll ch I changed my mind on it from what I oh, said really? on the cast. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, the fact that when I uh, you know, pirated the shit out of it, because uh, that's the only way you can get the Japanese audio, uh, and I watch it in the, in the 3D with my 3D TV, I'm like, you know what? I, I dig this movie, and I understand a little better what they were trying to do. Mm. I think a lot of cases, like, they took scenes from previous ones and did them again only recontextualize it to be like the polar opposite of what it is that's not ineptitude that's deliberate and so i think that movie gets a bad rap but anyway that's another topic for another day yep. so anyway episode 158 of the anime world order podcast please uh put your comments into our website our website is uh <laughs> World. that sounded lewd that's yeah I was, I was laughing i was i was trying to i was trying to come up with <laughs> a better way just yeah, just. it's like that's the sort of innuendo that you'd get out of like gray digital target. <laughs> Insert like, your, it's not really sexy, but it's like insert you know, your comments close into my wound, gray. into our posts. <laughs> Chuck your comments into our into our post holes, and um, yeah, 
unload your comments all over our webpage. So, our webpage. The, f- the face of our page. Just, just blast them. <laughs> yeah, or you could email us. You can chuck some emails at our at our email holes at, at animeworldorder at gmail.com. Fill up our box inside <laughs> inbox. <laughs> so what are we gonna do next time? Well It may be a Christmas miracle or it may be the annual trivia episode, or it may be something totally different. Maybe Clarissa wants to review something, or maybe we'll have our trivia episode. It's yes. An- another tr- Christmas miracle, but yep. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for sticking with us. I skipped Thanksgiving entirely on that one, by the way, for talking about Christmas miracles. But <laughs> it's good enough for the president to demand that, you know, why isn't there Christmas stuff in October? It's good enough for the AWO. What I'm going to do now is play a tape for you, and you tell me if these people are having sex. Yeah. See how he says yeah? <laughs> or working out in a fitness center. Uh-huh. I'm pressing play now. Oh, oh, oh. we're two guys fucking. Oh, oh fuck it. Oh, we're two guys fucking. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, ram it hard. Yeah. And what do you think? Uh, that was two gay men having sex? No, those were two men doing butterfly curls. Sounded like two gay guys having sex. Well, no, sir, you are dead wrong.